I hope all of you brought your Bible today. If you did, say amen. amen. Okay, we're going to open the Bible up to Ephesians chapter 4 today. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6 says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is good for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the people of God can be thoroughly equipped for the work in which you called us to. Father, I pray that as your word is opened up today, God. Father, may your ears of the people of God be opened to receive the instruction from your word. And Father, I pray that as your people would receive your instructions, God. Father, that their minds would be renewed. And God, that we would be transformed so that we can live, Lord, out your good and your perfect and acceptable will in our lives. Father, we give you thanks today, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, today I want to talk about unity. You heard the pastor, and he said that he would love to be a part of a community of people whom, in which the fire of God and the word of God is spreading across the nations of the world. I don't know about you, but I believe that one of the reasons why God directed me here is that I want to be a part of that. And I want to flow in that and I want to see God do great, incredible things. Amen. When Paul was writing this particular letter, he was writing them from prison. And he had got some very interesting uh, revelation from God. And the revelation was part of it being that God was now not only just moving through a particular nation of people, but now God himself was going to come and indwell an individual. And that individual would not just be the Jewish people, but that individual would be a people of Jew, Greek, Gentile, and whoever else would believe in Jesus. And Jesus would be the one perfect man that bring these people into oneness. Paul started to see that this people in which God was forming this body in which he was forming, this body would be uh, that, that body that expressed who Jesus is in the natural realm here. And that body would be one that overthrows and confounds the evil of this day. Uh-huh. That's why Paul talks more so about in the end of Ephesians in chapter 6 about this army of people in whom God has raised up to, to fight against the powers and principalities of that day. Do you know that as one in Jesus, you are these particular people in which God has raised up for this hour so that we, we can be together of people who confound the evil of this day, who walk as Christ uh, walked in this world, who walk as one who are full of compassion, full of love, full of mercy, and full of grace to do awesome things for God. Hallelujah. Amen. God has called us to that. Amen. And God has said, he placed us in chapter 1. It talks about how we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. We were chosen. We were predestined. We were, we were formed into his, we were formed, being formed into his image. 
And he says in chapter 2 that we don't get into this family by our works, about what, how good we are, about just, uh, just by attending church. We get into this place and family by grace and grace and alone and grace and faith through Christ and Christ alone. Yes. And God say that through it, as we jump into Christ, God, he brings these two people who were hostile towards one another, Jew and Gentile. They were hostile towards one another. And God say that Jesus has broken down that wall, that barrier that has separated them. There is no longer Jew or Greek, but they are one in Christ. Amen. 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 And God says that through this people he called the church or the body of Christ that God would manifold, he would reveal his manifold wisdom to the earth as such. So Paul and, and, and now telling them their position in Christ, he says that through Jesus you have been placed here, but now because you still live on this earth, I want to show you how you should live now. I want to show you how you should walk now. And he starts here in chapter 4, and he says, you should walk as one people. Not as two different people, but you should walk as one people. I want to tell you the definition of unity today. I want to tell you when we decide to walk in that place of unity, what is the outcome And then I'm going to tell you, lastly, how we can preserve this unity so that we represent Christ in the way that we should represent him as his body here on earth. Let's look at the text. In verse 1, he says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life that is worthy of the calling you have received. And then as you go on down, you see that clearly in talking to this crowd of people, he says that unity itself is not being same. He says that unity is being one in purpose. Did you notice that? That's why he said in verse 5, he says that, or verse 3, he says that as we come into the unity of the Spirit, we can only come into unity when we accept Jesus in our life. When we have Jesus in our life, then the Spirit of God enters our life. Therefore, making us one in him. But the problem is, and many times we don't see the greatest demonstration of Christ and who he is in this earth through God's people, is because we have a faulty understanding of what unity is. See, we think that we all have to be the same. We all have to dress the same. We all have to worship do worship the same. And that's not what the scripture is communicating to us. The scripture says that our sameness comes from, our oneness comes from being, having one faith, having one baptism, being one in spirit. That's where our oneness comes. It doesn't come on how Pastor Kenny leads worship versus how Bomb leads worship. They're two different individuals. The only thing is that they come here to glorify their God. Amen. Amen. That's the oneness in which they have. But you see, many times we place the secondary issues before the uh, uh, first issues. And therefore causes disunity to happen. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He talks about, he says that, I thought that I can talk to you as mature in the faith, but I see that I can't because you're still babes in the faith. Why? Because some of you say that I follow Paul. Some of you say I follow Apollos. 
why some of them say that they follow Paul and why some of them say they follow Apollos. Because some like the way Paul teaches. Some, way, some like the way Paul does ministry. Some like the way Apollos does ministry. And God say that that will lead to sectarianism. That will lead to division. But our oneness should be in that we have been baptized in this one body through Christ Jesus. That we have one faith. That we have one hope. That's where our oneness should lie. It should not lie in do our, our being able to do a ministry the same. It should not lie there. And because of that, we have a faulty view of unity. Unity is one, being one in purpose. For your homework, one of the greatest displays of unity of purpose that I can see within the scripture. For your homework, this week, read Nehemiah chapter 3. And you'll see one of the greatest displays of unity that the Bible speaks on. God calls Nehemiah. Nehemiah rallies the people of God. And Nehemiah says that, let's go back and let's build the wall of Jerusalem so that we will not be a reproach to God, our God. And then you go over to chapter 3, you'll see that all of these different tribes or different groups of people are working on different parts of the gate. And that's why the whole entire chapter you see, and next to, and next to, and next to. Many of these particular people were different kinds of people. And they had different responsibilities. But together... Because they all had the purpose of seeing the wall up so that they would not be a reproach to the God any longer because of their unity of purpose. The wall was accomplished in 52 days. But it was down for almost 150 years. You see what happens when God's people really come into a place of unity? God can do some incredible things. Let me show you some areas where when we walk in unity, that's just one example. Look at Psalms 133. Psalms 133. Psalm 133. And we're going to read verses 1 to 3. He says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like a precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, Running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. When God's people get together and they dwell in unity, God commands a blessing to be there. Did you hear that? So many people run around and say, God, bless me there. God, bless me that. God, bless me here. But they don't want to live in unity with the pastor. God is not going to bless you because you don't want to walk in the way he called you to walk. God is not going to bless you. You can pray all day. You can pray to your knees and worn out. But if you're not walking in unity, God is not going to bless you. And many of people are not blessed today because they don't walk in unity. Amen. You can say amen too. (laughs) Yep. Many are not blessed because they don't walk in unity. But God here says that he commands a blessing to be there. Many know that this was a psalm in which David wrote when the tribes of Israel were separated. When the northern kingdom, I mean northern kingdom and southern kingdom were separated and David became king and when they came back together under his headship, his leadership, David said, this is good. This is pleasant. This is wonderful in the eyes of God. Because God bestows a blessing there. Did you notice that? He says that this is good. It is pleasant, right? It is like a fragrant oil. Oil was used to do what? Oil was used to anoint and to consecrate those who served as priests in the temple. And they could not function, they could not do God's work without the anointing, without being anointed with oil. 
They couldn't do God's work. And God said, that, that smell that came from that precious perfume, a precious oil that was used, that smell it is like a fragrance. It is like, it's beautiful. It smells great. When God's people of all nationalities come together under the headship of Christ and we walk together in unity, do you know it's just like a precious oil? It smells good. It's a fragrance to God. When we sing those songs, it's a fragrance that is released from God. And do you understand that when the Holy Spirit comes down, it's like, a, it's like Aaron, it's like Aaron beard. God, you know, Aaron, we think about the anointing oil as we think about one little touch. But here God is saying that the anointing is so rich, it is so full that it flows down his beard. And as, God, as God's anointing is released, God's people are blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me talk to people. Let me talk to those of you who are here for your first time and you may not know Jesus. You may be looking for some place in which you can actually go and you're loved. I tell you, God through the Holy Spirit knew you and he led you here today. Not just to hear me, but he led you here today because he wanted to make you know that he is real. Hallelujah. And he loves you. And he wants to bless you. Yeah. And I want you to notice that God's blessing, they're in abundance. They're in, they're in abundance. Did you know that? See, some of us read this passage and we just only read to the part where God uh, loves it and it's beautiful and precious. Uh, yeah, but if you keep on reading down, you'll see that this is talking about b- abundance of blessing here. Because it says that it is just like the dew that runs from the Mount Hermon. See, Mount Hermon was a bigger mountain, right? And it, and it was near. So when the raindrops dropped down on that, it flowed down into Zion. And therefore, it just watered all of the ground and made the ground fruitful. Hallelujah. So when we as the God's people walk in that place of unity and harmony, God's anointing flows down and it causes us to be fruitful. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Oh, bless the Lord. I come today to preach today. Hallelujah. God wants to bless us. Now, 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 don't stop there. God wants to bless you, but let me tell you what kind of blessing that God wants to give to you. Because many of us only look to the natural blessing. Yes, in God, we have that blessing. As our pastor said earlier, he said that we, in that, uh, Jesus has placed us in that place to where we can receive the blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, that was a blessing that was, also, that was a physical blessing and that was a spiritual blessing. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's why God's people, that's why God's people, you typical Jew, because of their following God's way or typical, he is blessed. Many of them are blessed, right? Physical blessing, but also spiritual blessing. Yeah. Notice what he says, that in that place of unity, it is life evermore. That's the blessing in which God wants us to have. See, we, he don't want us just to have the nice home, the nice car, and the good health and all that thing. But he also wants us to have the blessing of eternal life. Hallelujah. That's what that means. Amen. Yeah. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, uh, 10 he said, The thief come only to steal, kill. But I have come that you may have life. Zoe! Hallelujah. That's life that is unending. Amen. So when I die and I leave this world, my life don't stop. My life continues going. Amen. Oh, better yet. In fact, when I come to know Jesus, life unending starts right then. Amen. That's why we can live as we live like God's people in unity and harmony. The Bible says that God blesses us. God commands a blessing to be there. Oh, I don't know about you, but I want to live in unity because God commands a blessing to be there and a blessing of life forevermore. God also, when we see, when we walk in unity, not only does God command a blessing there, but God also says that when we walk in unity, our walking in unity gives witness to the divine mission of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Did you know that? 
Our walking in unity shows the world that we are God's people. Amen. Amen. What does God what 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 did Jesus what was Jesus' mission here? Jesus' mission was to be able to restore back to man what was originally his. Amen. Yes. That's why Jesus' mission was here. That's why his mission. See, God, see, when sin entered and caused us to lose the blessing of God, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, as one who will come and take back what the devil has stole. Amen. And through his death on the cross, he paid the ultimate price for sin. For sin was death. Uh huh. But the gift of God in Jesus Christ leads to eternal life. Amen. So Christ came to restore us back to our original condition. Amen. And, to, and through restoring us back to God, he also bridged, may helped us to be able to love one another in the way God would have us to love one another. Amen. That's what makes us different. That's what makes us different from the, the, uh, any other religion. We show that Christ coming into this world and dying on the cross and triumphantly raising, being raised from the dead, we show through our living for God, living in unity, that we are God's people. And we are the fruit of Jesus' prayer. Did you know that? The Bible says in John chapter 17, verse 23, it says, I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Our dwelling together in unity under the headship of Christ. It reveals to the world that Jesus was who he said he was. God manifested in the flesh. Amen. So when we live together in harmony and unity, we represent Christ. Oh, so guess what happens when we don't live together in unity? We don't represent Christ in the way he should be represented in this world. And you know what? People will start to say, why do I want to be a part of that? You see, we should be like when um, I, I love to be able to go to a very good barbecue place. Oh, I go to a very good barbecue place. It's just like, man, you can, you can, you, you, the lips start to water. Yeah, it start to water, right? And man, you just tear into that barbecue and it's like, oh gosh, this is good, God. Right? Do you know that that's the same way in which God wants us to be as his people? To people will say, oh, I want to desperately be a part of that group of people. Because they got something that they don't, I don't have. They got Christ. They don't talk about a God, but they have a relationship with that God. Amen. 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 Oh, bless the Lord. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. The last thing that you will see that when we stand together is that you will see clearly that we are stronger together. Right? When we walk together in unity, we are stronger together. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 12, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. 
God is saying now, for those, you can see it even in the business sector. When someone joins, when someone has a partnership, and maybe one part of that partnership collapsed, at least he has another business partner to hold up. When one, one is traveling, and maybe at this time traveling through the desert and it's cold, it is, it is it's much more uh, easier to keep warm when there's two. Or when there is that place of, of marriage, you have not only just uh, one person, but you have two. So the two are stronger and they're strengthened, right? Let me tell you, let me share something. Let me share something with you because a few of you have asked me before. When we decided to come back together and the pastor shared with me, I was a little bit upset, I have to admit to you. Because I was seeing things from my point of view. And we're not only seeing things from others' point of view. And then what, re- what, what came to my mind is, what is this all about anyway? Is this all about just Pastor Caesar? Or is this all about what God wants? And what God is doing? Right? And I can tell you for sure. I am happy, I am happy to be a part of what's going on here. Because I know that God is moving in such a way to where we as a people of God are going to wreak havoc on our city. And we're going to see God move in a powerful way. Because we're unified. I believe that. We're stronger Together, they made a part. I was sharing with PJ, there was one movie that I saw. And at the, end, at the end of that movie, there was an elderly lady, and she was surrounded by all of the family members. And that elderly lady did not say very much. But when she walked into the group, she said, Guys, when we are like this, we're, we're not as strong. But when we are like this, we're stronger. I don't know if you've been, many of you have been around very many black people, but this was a sign of black power. <laughs> not this, okay? <laughs> but this is a sign of black power. Basically, here we are as individuals. But here we are individuals, but we are tied together. Therefore, creating power. All right? Here's one thing. That I, and, and when I caught on to this, I asked the pastor this week. I write him an email. I said, hey, pastor, can some of us get together and come into a place of just agreeing and seeing what, seeing what God would do with Brother Ivy in this situation? And naturally, the pastor wrote me back and he said, sure, go for it. So, for those of you who would like to come into a place of agreeing on seeing God do a wonderful work in the life of Ivan, I will be here this Thursday. And from Thursday on out, about 7 o'clock, and if you feel that God would have you to come, and we're going to just agree, on, agree with God and see what he does by the Spirit. I believe God is going to do some wonderful and powerful things because his people come together and they agree on his will to happen in this, in this earth. Amen. So if you want to do that, please show up here. I will be here. Show up. And, and I will be here with you. Now, we see the outcome. And I have, I think that clock, if I'm right in my eyes are right, I think I have about 15 minutes. Is that correct? Yes. I will finish in 15 minutes. Okay. You know, and I know, that we should walk in unity according to the word. You see the outcome when we walk in unity. But just leaving here today and knowing that we need to walk in unity and there's a blessing there is not good enough. We need to go on on to the next step and see how we can be able to apply and practice it so that we can actually visibly 
see this unity. And that's what Paul gets into in Ephesians. He tells us how you can be able to walk in this place of unity. Right? And so if you can turn back to Ephesians for me. And first of of all, I want you to see clearly in verse 1, clearly it says, as a prisoner of the Lord. As a prisoner of the Lord. Paul is obviously here in jail and he's writing. And he's not writing and saying, hey guys, I want you to come to see me or come to do this. I want you to walk in this place of unity. And we can also see from his life here that when we decide to walk in a place worthy of God's calling and our election on our life, there's a price in which we must pay. Right? He's in prison. Because he's, he, he's walking, he's living a life to where he is living worthy of God's calling in his life. There's a price in which we have to pay. It means how some of us, we have some sweet and dear things to our life. And we have this in our ministry. Some place, in order for the walk in this place of unity, sometimes we have to let some of those things go. And that's very difficult. But that's the price in which we have to pay if we want to see God move in such a way. We are in this hour in our church, I believe, to where God wants to move such a way, we have to be willing to say, okay, not my will, God, but your will be done so that we can preserve unity in the faith. Now, Paul says in verse 2, He goes to verse 2 now and he says that be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. He tells us clearly that here's some things as each individual, here's some things that we need to embody. We need to do ourselves. Not just the pastor, but every single one of us need to embody these characteristics. He says that the first thing that we need to embody is Humility, right? And I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want to take too long here because I think Pastor Tyson did a very good job at defining humility, right? But humility is one of those places taking the, the low, a lower place. It's a lower place. And sometimes we don't want to take a lower place. We desire to be in that, that place of prestige or that place in which where everybody sees us. This sometimes happens. We in this church, sometimes we don't want to do the grunt work, but we don't do, want to do the work behind the scenes. We prefer to be here where I'm at today. Humility calls us to a place to where whatever God says, I'll do. Right? Paul, he gives a very good example. It kind of gives a good good outworking of uh, what humility looks like. He says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, it says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then let my joy be complete, but let my joy uh, com- be complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in hum- humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Paul gives us two things here. He says that are outworking of humility. He says the first thing is think of others as being better than yourself. Now, I know that that may be, that sound like something that's pretty easy and we probably would say, well, I, can, I think I'm pretty humble. But in actuality, you will probably be just caught like me. Here's the thing in which that God showed me that where I don't think I was considering others better than myself. You know why? Because I used to think that Here's a, here's a perfect example. One of the reasons why I thought maybe I should my probably not come to this church is because there are Asians there and they speak like 
with an accent. Mmm. Am I starting to touch a button now? Or when I see someone, when I see someone with a, with a, with a, maybe a southern draw, my first intention is to come, is to think that that person is not that smart. See, God say that we ought to consider others, consider others better than ourselves. You see? That's a place of humility in which God is calling us to walk in. And he says that not only that, but he said, look out for the interest of others. I'm almost always thinking about, see, that's what I was doing when, that's what I was doing with Pastor Lau. I was thinking about my interests. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about other people's interests. I was just thinking about my interests. And I'm sure that there are times in your life where you think about my interests first. But God says that we need to think about the interest of others before ourselves. And I would admit to you and submit to you today that I believe that it takes faith to walk in humility. I believe that it takes believing in God to, to, to work in our life and no matter what situations to walk in that place of faith and, and humility. He says not only should we embody humility, but he says that we should embody gentleness. And for the sake of it, I wrote, looked in Webster Dictionary and wrote down a gentle attitude. That is that a, it's one that makes people unwilling to provoke others and not easily provoke themselves. To sum it up, basically, I like the definition that Rick Warren gives. He says that it's having your emotions under control. Okay. This comes to play when I get into maybe a heated discussion with someone and we flat out disagree. Are my emotions under control? Or do I continue to just fly off the handle? Right. Or... When someone comes to me and corrects me, do I keep my emotions under control? Or when someone like Pastor Lyle say, sidekick me, and it hurt, do I keep my emotions under control? Yeah. Many of you are very familiar with a very large animal called an elephant. An elephant is a, mo- is a very powerful animal, but also very gentle. You let the elephant get out of control, he can cause massive destruction. But most elephants are very gentle. Even though they have the powers there in them, they're still very gentle. Right? He says that we not only embody humility, gentleness, but it's we ought to embody patience. Did you see that? Patience. Patience is defined as endurance, even under affliction. Jesus was talking about in that Sermon on the Mountain where Dwayne talked, he was talking about in Matthew chapter 5. He was talking about if someone does you evil, instead of you do evil back to them, you do good. If someone asks you to go extra, if someone asks you to go a little far, you go extra mile. Jesus himself demonstrated this. The Bible said, First Peter, when Jesus was headed to the cross. The Bible said that they hurled insults at him. But he did not insult them back. But instead he committed himself to God because he knew his God judges righteously. Eh? We ought to have patience with people. And we ought to have patience 
with him as long as it's not enabling them to continue in sin. I had a friend of mine, I was talking to him once before, and he said, he had all kind of stuff going on in his family. He said, I said, be patient with them. He said, man, I've been patient with them. You're not in my home. My dad, he comes home every single night, and he wrecks the place, and he beats up the place, and he does this and that. He said, be patient with him. He said, No. I want somebody to be able to stand up. And sometimes I have to stand up and say, what you're doing is not right. I'm going to be patient with you as long as it's not enabling you to continue on in sin. Right? Be patient. And he says, we ought to, in verse 3, he says that we ought to embody peace. We have to embody peace. If you'll read Ephesians chapter 2 and around by verse 14 through 17, you'll see how we should walk in peace. Pastor Tyson, again, explained this, so I don't want to go in great detail, but he's, he would basically, the peace in which we are to, we, we are to bring is that a peace that causes people to be restored to God. And as we are restored to God, then we are restored, can be restored to one another. That's the peace in which God wants us to walk in. That's the place in which God wants us to walk in. That we may preserve unity. And lastly, If you want to preserve or walk in that place of unity, we need to focus on areas where we agree instead of disagree. Did you see? Paul outlined to us the areas in which we, are, we see we should agree on and we have our oneness. He outlines it. And he says that areas of where we have our one, oneness, we are one body. We are one spirit. We are one hope. We are one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. We are to focus on those areas. So many times we don't focus on those areas. We focus on the things that are secondary. And because we make secondary issues, primary issues, we have division. And God's people, they work together. Do I want every single one to be filled with the Holy Spirit that I speak in tongues? Yes, I do. But I'm not going to say I'm not going to work with my brother because he don't speak it in tongues. When we make those issues primary instead of secondary, we have division. Amen. 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 I believe, as I started this talk saying, I believe this is the hour. This is the hour and this is the time in which God has raised us up. We oftentimes look at all of the bad that is going on in society. Well, the reason why God raised us up so that we can be able to reflect good in our society. See, the way that we relate to our God and the way that we relate to one another is very important to God. Because it reflects who he is to a non-believing crowd. See, if we want to give people the, the, the image of who God is in, in truth, in reality, then we must, as the people of God, live according to his word. And he has called us to a place of unity and harmony.
in the spirit. Now I know some of you, may, you're sitting on your seat right now and you're saying, well God, uh, I'm kind of not there God. Well let me tell you something. If everybody that sits in this place today was true with themselves, they would realize they're not there neither. And they're just being honest. And God said that, you know what? Don't get down on yourself when you may not be at a place. God said that all you need to do is just repent. And when you repent, God restores. Amen. Amen. Some of you who are come here today again, as I told you, you come here and you say, I don't know nothing about Jesus. You came here today so that you will learn about Jesus. See, that community of people in which you're looking for acceptance and all of that kind of stuff from, some of that, for some of us, that's at the local bar. For some of us, that's running after some woman or something like that or some guy. We're looking for acceptance. Well, I tell you, the best acceptance that you can get is being in a place where God's people are living in according to his will. And they will accept you. And all you have to do to be a part of that community is say, Jesus, I recognize today that I've been rebelling towards God and I've been living my own way. But today, I realize that you can make me to be able to love God and love other people. And all you got to do is just say, God, I'm sorry that I live my own life. Today, I want to start living according to the way you want me to live. When you repent... And then place your faith and your trust in working with Jesus did on the cross. The Bible says that God saved you. The Bible says that God, you are born again then. You are, you are delivered from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light and hope. That's what the Bible says. So to you, I would say to you, don't keep on running to other places trying to look for acceptance. Run to God today and be accepted by him and accepted by his people. Amen. Amen. And for those of us who know that we have fallen short as believers in Christ today, I want to say something to you too. God is not a God of condemnation. He uses his word so that it would transform our minds so that we would live according to the way he wants us to live. And he doesn't want us to live as though we are independent of, some, of other people. We are this community form God's body. And we are one. Individual parts, but we are one in him. So we need to live as such. Be patient with one another. Right? Be gentle, be humble towards one another. And if you know that you're not in those places, repent and say, God, I'm sorry. And ask God, help me today to be one who walks in humility, to be one who embodies these characters of God. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for your word, God. Father, even as I share your word with your people today, God, I'm convicted again. And God, I see in my own life where I fall short. Where many times, God, when I think that I'm in hum- walking in hum- humility, Lord, that there's still pride in me. But today, God, with Every one of my brothers and sisters. God, I come and I'm confessing my fault. I'm confessing my shortcoming. And today I'm turning away from it, God. And I ask that you would help me. And Father, I pray for every single one of God's people here today. I thank you, Lord God, that you desire us to walk in this place of harmony and 
unity in the spirit. God, you say, that's where life is at, God. So many of us, Lord, who are outside of this community and family of yours are walking in death because we, Lord, are outside of your will. Father, I pray that today that we as the people of God would make a decision, God, that we're going to walk in unity, Lord. That we're going to embody patience, God. And we're going to embody humility. We're going to embody gentleness. We're going to embody peace. And God, instead of focusing our eyes on the areas where we disagree, God, we're going to look at areas where we agree, God. And Father, oh, we believe, God, that as we walk in this place of unity, God, that the world will see that we are your people, God. And God, that we would be uh, uh, that people who witness, who show forth Christ. Who reveal his life and nature to this world, God. Oh, Father, Lord, we recognize today. We can't do it apart from your spirit enabling us to do. Oh, so Lord, we reach out to you today, God. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you enable us today, God, and empower us, Lord, so that we can be a people who walk in harmony, God, so that we can see through our harmony and unity, Lord God, just a fresh flow of your spirit, Lord, moving in our midst, God, to where those who are dead, oh God, will come to life, oh God, oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we thank you for that. We give you praise today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.